sifter.com.au. Hello and welcome to Lightmap from Sifter. On Lightmap, we explore what it takes to make video games and interactive media, and we meet creative teams from all around the world. You'll meet new developers, artists, musicians, researchers, and more. My name is Gianni Di Giovanni. Thank you for joining me, and this week we're taking to the skies for some really heartfelt conversations aboard a floating hospital ship as we explore the voices and the sounds of Wayward Strand by Ghost Pattern. Our guests on Lightmap this week are Nancy Curtis, an actor who plays the protagonist, Casey Bo Morris. Hello, Nancy. Hi. Thank you for inviting me to talk about this. <laughs> and Maze Wallen, a sound designer, audio programmer and composer and frequent guest of Sifter Podcast. Good day, good day, Maze. How are you going? Really good. Nice to be here again. We're going to learn a little bit more about Wayward Strand. So it's a narrative game that's set on a flying hospital ship in an alternate history in rural Victoria. But before we get into that, let's find out what's been making the news this week with the top stories on the latest episode of Walkthrough, Sifter's news podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto. And I'm Gianni Giovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying, sorry, you're mad. Solo developed Manor Lords and indie city builder break sales and Steam records. Take-Two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Join the Sifter community on Discord at sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. Wayward Strand is a narrative adventure game set on a flying airship where you take on the role of Casey Bo Morris, a 14-year-old journalist. It's all about the life and stories of the people who live and work on this floating hospital ship and each of these characters move in real time with different paths to explore each time you play. And importantly, each of those stories get written down in Casey's notebook. So, Nancy, I want you to tell me who is Casey Morris to you? I reckon I was pretty similar to Casey when I was about her age. She's definitely in that kind of awkward stage of her teenage years. She's trying to figure out who she is and, um, yeah, she's definitely very introverted. Yeah, she's quite awkward. Um, but, yeah, she's, like I said, she's in that stage where she's trying to figure out who who she is and, um, you know, what she enjoys, obviously is journalism most of the time but um yeah I'm just wondering when you were playing this character can you tell me was there some of those those memories of being an awkward 14 year old that you're able to sort of draw on when you were playing this character totally yeah it definitely brought me back to those awkward years I I hate using this word but she is a bit of a tomboy um and I reckon I was a bit like that just like a bit moody angsty um so I guess it was fun kind of um, reliving those, yeah, those funny times, I guess, through her, yeah. So how long have you been a journalist? Three years. I started when I was 11. My writing is a lot better now, though. I was just thinking. You could ask Mr Avery for some advice. He's in the next room over. Mr Avery is a published author. 
as he is wont to speak about at length. It could be worthwhile to hear of his journey. I might head there now. All right. I'll see you a bit later. Uh, Nancy, you probably don't remember the 1970s. I don't remember the 1970s. Can you tell me what it was like to, you know, get into the idea of, of a character who's uh, in sort of this alternate history of the 1970s in rural Victoria? Can you tell me, was there any research or anything you did to kind of uh, get yourself in the mindset of a, of a teen of the 70s? I didn't do that much research because I felt like straight away I found it easy to relate to her. But I guess definitely a factor would have been that, you know, she doesn't have a phone or anything and she's not really occupied. But I guess when she was at the ship, you know, helping her mum out, she kind of had to find ways to entertain herself. And I find that that's so lovely because, you know, you see so many like, I feel like I sound like an old person saying this, but you see so many like little kids and, you know, they're just like got an iPad in their face, whereas, you know, she has to kind of, yeah, find a way to entertain herself and I guess she does that through her journalism. Um, but yeah, just yeah, just imagining what that would be like without all that just all those distractions, I guess. One thing um that was really cool when we first had Nancy audition. Um, well, actually, I think you sent through a tape and Georgia Simmons, who's um written half of the game um, but also was the director of the voiceover. She sent through um, Nancy's audition tape and said, all right, everyone, have a listen to this. And it sounded just like the Casey in our heads, you know. It <laughs> sounded like it was from the 70s also that it, you know, it was, it was an accent that was a bit dated back, like... I didn't know what I was doing, but glad I could. <laughs> glad I nailed it. <laughs> it sounded like you did. Um, and I remember, <laughs> you know, you had um, a couple of techniques or something to get back into the accent in the Yeah, studio. like a bit of like Milo kind of veg. Yeah, a few of those Milo. words, yeah. They were my go-tos. Um, yeah. <laughs> can, you go, can you list them out for us? What are your, your Casey Beaumaris framing words? Milo most of the time, just like. Milo, like, uh, (laughs) that was always good. That always snapped me back into her, I guess, yeah. (laughs) Maze, there are a number of amazing actors who are, you know, portraying the characters in this game. Um, Can you tell me what it was like when you first got to hear some of these voices and, and, you know, how they lined up with the the minds that you had, you know, the voices that you had in your mind? I actually, I think Nancy was the only one who was just like, oh, holy shit, it's just come to life exactly like in our minds. And I think that's because some of the other actors like um, and Charleston and Peter Paltos uh, worked with us back in 2016 when we first did our demo and, it, you know, they kind of went out on a limb to be involved back then and then, you know, we were lucky that they had an okay time and said yes to come back in 2022, um, which I find hilarious talking about with Nancy here, um, <laughs> that we started making the game in 2016. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, it was really great to kind of hear those actors continue to bring those characters to life, especially because we pretty much rewritten everything that they were saying. 
um, there were very few scenes that they said exactly the same way. Although whenever there was, like whenever there was a line that um, especially Jason and I had been listening to nonstop for six years and then they reset it in a slightly different way, we would lose it. We would just be <laughs> like, what? <laughs> There's the line. Um so, yeah, and then I guess for the actors who are new to this round, um, you know, it was always a little bit different. It's always the actors fill in the gaps, you know. They bring, it's cheesy, they bring it to life, but I guess you don't know what you don't know until the actor adds it and then you're like, oh, oh okay, you've you've finished writing it. <laughs> um so, yeah, sometimes it's a little bit unexpected, you know, when we have been listening to the same VO for six years and then it changes to a new actor that took a little bit of getting used to, um, yeah, a bit of a shock to the system sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Every Everyone who's in the game is perfect for their characters. Yeah. Maze, what was the recording process like? Uh, I know that you were, you know, part of the team that brought it all together, and you had some voice directors who were looking after that. But can you tell us how much of an effort uh, was put in? Because this is quite a big voice cast and quite an elaborate thing for a small independent game to be able to pull off. Yeah, for for an indie game and for an Australian game, it just really massive. So we have twenty thousand lines of voiceover, which. Um, Tiffin Newsom, who is an ADR specialist who's based in Brisbane, and we've worked together on a game previously, and I brought her back on to Wayward um, to help deal with the voice editing. She said that's the equivalent of 18 feature films. Um, Yeah, Nancy. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) puts it into perspective. Yeah. Um, And we recorded across Melbourne, Sydney, London, and Vienna. Um, with you know, because we have actors, we have I had no idea that you had been recording all these places. I was like, what? Yeah, 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 we have actors who are either you know, we need there's a couple of Danish characters and there's an Austrian character, so they had to be overseas. Um, and then there are actors who are based in Sydney, and it's just worked out a little bit better that we record them over there instead of trying to get them down here. Um, and The technical process of matching all of the studios was, it was really fun, but, you know, we had to do a lot of A-B testing, so getting the studios to record some lines, send them back, record them from different distances from the microphone. Um, Sometimes, you know, we'd ask for a dry, dry, dry room with no character um, and sometimes we'd still get a bit, so it would be like, oh, could you re-record with <laughs> some more panels or put up some curtains or a couple of times it just didn't work out with the studio. They just couldn't accommodate what we needed. Um, and, you know, whenever we found something a little weird and, you know, we're like, oh, we've got to fix that before we actually go and record the characters, we would know that fixing it, now in pre-production will save us hours, days, weeks, months of work in post, you know. Um, and that's like with the actors too, it was like, all right, we're tr- really trying to minimise any retakes of anything. So 
you know, we're just going to get you to run the line until it's right, <laughs> which, you know, usually didn't take long. Um, but sometimes, you know, the actor would loop the line a bit. And we, it was really um, with Tifa and then also with Alison Walker, um, who's a Melbourne sound designer and musician who I worked with. Um, we had to kind of invent this pipeline of how to deal with 20,000 lines of dialogue, you know, so we got Pro Tools files for every single scene. We've got um, tools that export the dialogue from um, Ink and Unity, so our game engine tools, export it into scripts for the actors that are clear to read and also export um, our big TSV files and then more spreadsheets, uh, which would then be converted into Pro Tools files and um we have a lot of custom tooling to just to deal with bulk amounts of VO. And, and then in the editing process, um, we had, you know, a whole lot of Pro Tools presets and a whole lot of RX presets and then more spreadsheets. And we also in the recording process kind of had to figure out, all right, so when you record a line or a scene, you start from this marker and that means X, Y, Z. And if you start from here, then it means this. And um, in the room, when we say, all right, it's this character clip, blah, 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 line number, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, just a whole lot of little things that meant that um, we saved a lot of time and we got things as right as possible the first time. Yeah, so it was quite intense, but you know, um, all it it was when we worked with the studios overseas and we were recording remotely. The engineers at those studios really sat into our rhythm within twenty minutes, you know, and we might have to do like five full days of recording with them. And we did um, a few technical meetings into the lead up as well, and I'm sending like. PDFs and videos and walkthroughs and we got a lot of feedback saying that we're the most organized clients that anyone has ever had and it's like well yeah <laughs> that's that's what needs to happen um and from from all the engineers and from all the actors everyone actually seemed to have a really good time which we you know it was a constant worry for us as well <laughs> but um <laughs> Curious, Nancy, from your perspective, hearing all of that in the background, what was it like to actually be there and record the lines for Casey? Yeah, um, honestly, it was pretty crazy. It's definitely, like I've said this before, but it's probably the most interesting thing I've kind of been a part of or seen. Just the whole process of, yeah, Maze and Allison, the recording process kind of blew me away. Um, but, yeah, I guess when settling into it, um, I found it a little bit challenging just because it's very different to your usual kind of um, acting environment that you'd have in like school productions and plays where you kind of get to develop that connection and like chemistry with the other actors. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of that process of having to like kind of create the world um, for Casey in my own head and how she would interact with the other characters, um, which I found challenging at first, but definitely Georgia and, 
and Jason and Mays and Alison made that so easy for me just to settle in because it's definitely a, a new and strange experience for me. But, yeah, they made it so easy to settle into. Um, and, yeah, I had a lot of fun figuring it out, yeah, I guess. Good morning, Mrs Vaughan. Oh, uh, hello, Mr Avery. Have you met Casey? Oh, no, no, I have not. Neil Avery, author at large. A pleasure to make your acquaintance. Hi. Now, Mrs Vaughan, how are you this fine morning? Well, I... Uh... May I have a moment of your time? Oh, of course. Is anything the matter? Not at all. All I require is that you pay attention. Certainly. I was chatting to Felix, uh, Mr Pettigrew, the director. Yes? He was asking me for advice regarding the visit on Sunday. The what? Oh, my apologies. I didn't realise you hadn't been told. On Sunday, there's a very important person coming by. He'll be checking out the place, making sure it's all up to code, you know? Dotting and crossing. Oh, I had heard something about this. In any case, thank you for... I'll, uh, well, I'll likely be taking him on a tour of this place, showing him around. It's going to have to be spick and span. We'll all do our bit to tidy up the place. You'll have to put that knitting away for starters. Yes, there'll be no time for frivolous activities. We need to focus, to prepare. I've, I've got to go. I've got to spread the word. We've got to get this place presentable. Goodbye, Mrs Vaughan. What is it like to then hear the final product when you see all these different voices, scenes that you were part of, um, com combined with the performances from other actors from all around the world? Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty weird. It's, it's yeah, hearing my voices with other people I've never met. I'm like <laughs> such a weird experience, and it's so cool to like, even though I've never met these people, like you really feel the chemistry and connection between the characters, which is just yeah. It's cringe, but it's you know it's kind of magical the way they, or yeah, you can kind of really feel, um, the energy between them. Even though yeah, I haven't met any of them, but yeah, it's just it's just awesome seeing it come together. I don't know how they did it, but yeah. Nancy was one of the most consistent actors. We we got to this point where I don't remember what the word was, but it it might have been like, um. Oh, or see ya, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, what was it? It was okay. There were so many okays and there were so many, yeah, see ya, or sure, yeah. And we got to the point where Nancy would say it one way and then Georgia would say, oh, no, the other one. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then Nancy would nail it straight away. <laughs> but, like, I'd say it so many times, I'd, like, I'd lose its meaning. Like, I felt like I was a robot by the end. I was like, I don't even know what this means, like, Okay, that's okay. Okay, okay, that's okay. Okay, 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 okay. It's been okay. Okay, 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 that's okay. Okay, 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 I'm okay. I think it'll be okay. Are you okay? Oh, okay. Uh, can you tell me what are some of the um, your favourite uh, performances and, and moments that really sort of crystallize for you both that you were you're working on something pretty special yeah all right um uh everyone on the dev team has cried now at some point 
and it happened um, with the voiceover. Like uh, everyone in the voiceover team, we all managed to cry in the studio for some reason. Um, and oh, I'm getting like goosebumps now. Um, and then the rest of the dev team, you know, would be when they were like playing through a scene because they had to test something and then they'd just be totally taken off guard by what the hell was happening. And, um, yeah, I remember just kind of counting, you know, as each team member was like, yep, okay, it's happened. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit spoilery, but there's um, nah, nah, it's not. I won't say it in a spoilery way. It's yeah, someone's writing a letter, um, and as they're kind of reading to themselves what they're writing, that was when I cried in the studio. Um, yeah, I think a, a different way to interpret it though, as well, I think has been especially the older women who have worked on the game um, when they talk about what they've felt when reading the script or especially actually they tell us that they've talked to their friends about the project and about, you know, the characters in the project and what it means to be playing characters with actual depth. Um, I think that's when we're like, oh, they actually mentioned this to their friends what (laughs) yeah and that has been a bit of a crystallization that um yeah what we're doing is is pretty special um yeah I just building off from what you were saying but I was showing my my grandma a few snippets of like some trailers and snippets from the game and first of all, like, she couldn't wrap her head around how, like, my voice was on a cartoon character. But anyway, she was so cute about it and she, I think she was just so excited that um, kind of her age group was being represented in, obviously she hasn't played video games or hasn't seen a lot of video games, but she was just, like, so intrigued that someone of her age would be in a video game. And I thought that was so cool because especially for me, I'm not a big I haven't played a lot of video games and never really, like, been a part of that community. But um, the games definitely, like, changed my, like, preconceived ideas about video games and its associations. Like, normally I'd be like, oh, you know, like, shooting games and Call of Duty and violence, but, like, this is just such a heartwarming um, game that really, like, addresses just, like, real-life issues and stuff that's happening. Yeah, I just thought that was really awesome. To see her reaction, I guess. Nancy, I've played a lot of games, and there actually aren't even that many characters that are in games that are, you know, young teenagers, girls as the main character in a game. That's pretty rare as well. How does it feel to be playing a character like that when you know you are one of the few examples that um, people get to to point to as as a, as a different way to tell a, a video game story? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it it feels it feels great to to be able to play this young. Um, character that is a girl and have that representation have that being represented um in video games um yeah it's a good question I I guess because I don't I don't play a lot of video games but yeah I think I think it's just nice to see more of that um representation because I think normally when I think about video games 
it not that oh, I don't know if this will come come across the right way, but I feel like when I am thinking about video games, I think about like I said before, Call of Duty, and a lot of that those kind of masculine, I guess, yeah, games. And so it's so nice to, I guess, have be a part of something that's a bit different to that. I don't know. I feel like you didn't answer that that well, but yeah, sorry. I think it'll be interesting when. You know, in the team, we talk a lot about wanting people to get it, you know, to understand the game. And um, I think that while we're all so inside it, um, it'll be, yeah, it might only be when other people talk about it that we kind of understand the impacts of it outside of ourselves. (laughs) Totally, yeah. As we're talking, we're about a week out from when the game will be available for people to play. What does it feel like to be at this point, particularly for you, Maze, because you know you've been working on this for for a while? Um, it's so close. I remember seeing it in a in a small office you had on a laptop uh, at one point many years ago during Games Week, and 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 now it is it's almost here for people to be able to play. Um, yeah, I'm very very emotional, constantly on edge, um, and constantly on the verge of crying pretty much and I think um, a lot of the people on the team are like that um, even people who haven't been on the team for as long um, yeah and I think that it's kind of been about the team environment we absorb people in very easily <laughs> people kind of become as attached to it as we do very quickly Um but, yeah, I think, you know, we're nervous, uh, sad, agitated, happy, um, all of the emotions. How about you, Nancy? How do you feel? It's just a little t- time before people, uh, you know, people you might be, uh, your peers at school might be playing this game. What does it feel like to be so close to when people can play it? Oh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It definitely, it felt so far away when we finished recording, but it's definitely come around quickly. Um, I guess I'm just excited for people to get to just I don't know experience I I just think it's such a special um yeah I think it's such a special thing that you guys have made and I just like can't wait for people to enjoy it and really connect with the characters and yeah I guess I'm just really excited for people to see it I know people at school um have mentioned it already and they're like you know adding it to their wish list on their switch and stuff which is cool yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, it did get to the point where Nancy would reply to Casey or Nancy in the exact same manner, and um, and we were joking. Hopefully, Nancy's <laughs> schoolmates hear this and call her Casey from now on. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, it would sometimes like sometimes I would malfunction a little bit, and you'd get a little bit of Casey in me. Like after I finished the recordings, I'd it'd take me a while just to like adjust back to back to my usual self. I guess. Um, I'm honestly so excited uh, for a, a chance for, for people to play it and to see it in its final form. Uh, thank you to you both uh, for joining us on this episode, telling us a little bit about the, the, the performances, the collection of all of this sound. Can't wait to put my headphones on and just absorb. Uh, thank you both for joining us on this episode. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. Wayward Strand is out on the 15th of September. You can pick it up on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch and PC. 
articles to read, podcasts to listen to and videos to watch on sifter.com.au. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Fiona Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer and my name is Gianni Giovanni and I'm the executive producer. Thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts. You can find everything we've talked about, including an interesting story we did a little while ago about the accessibility of Wayward Strand. You can go back into the archives and, and check, check that out. We'll link that on the show notes for this episode as well. Uh, and that website that you can find all of this cool stuff is sifter.com.au. You can find more about the guests and the games that we've featured if you've enjoyed the show, the best free thing you can do to support us is to tell your friends. Uh, if you know someone who might not be into games, uh, maybe don't know uh, exactly what they are or what the big deal is, maybe send them this interview because this could be a way that they could rethink uh, what it is to play interactive stories, especially ones made here in Australia. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, have fun. Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Unicorn Overlord might have a strange name, but don't dismiss its tactical prowess. It uses a, a tactics mode, um, and, which is similar to the Gambit system that was in Final Fantasy XII for your um, uh, your squad mates, and you can say, okay, well, you know, Hodrick, who's my legionnaire with the big shield, I want him to prioritize protecting the back row. They're going to take the most damage. If they take a physical hit, they're going to go down, but I need them to be protected. So you can get quite granular with this, and I reckon you could build some pretty wild builds that are <laughs> totally game-breaking, um, but it's kind of the fun of the tactical squad-based gameplay in Unicorn Overlord. Tune in to Drop Rate to find out why Unicorn Overlord might just be one of 2024's sleeper hits. Available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.